Welcome to the Clear Skin Chronicles, the podcast that takes you on a journey to uncover the secrets of achieving glowing, acne-free skin. We believe that knowledge is power, and by understanding the root causes of your acne, we can create a solid foundation for long-lasting clear skin. I'm Katie Stewart, registered holistic nutritionist and founder of The Clear Skin Solution, where we help women just like you get to the root cause of their acne. And I'm Chris Brown, registered holistic nutritionist and program director in The Clear Skin Solution. Through functional testing, we pinpoint where the body system imbalances lie so we can dive deep into your acne clearing journey. We work virtually with clients to clear up their skin from the inside out and have helped thousands of women worldwide regain their confidence. When it comes to food intolerances, sensitivities, a lot of people use the word allergies. One of the most commonly overlooked conditions leading to food intolerances is digestive issues. Do you agree? Uh, Absolutely, I do. You know, we're all about digestion up in here, right? So when food is completely digested and broken down into that like small little nanoparticle of how we assimilated it, it doesn't usually render a non-allergenic response, a non-intolerant response. So breaking down food is going to start with digestion. Digestion starts in the mouth. That's how it all goes. So a pro tip is chew your food to a pace-like consistency. Pretty easy peasy. Like, let's just wrap that up, right? Okay, that's what I need to do. (laughs) I don't think that's the entirety of the podcast topic, but no, we will be talking about food sensitivities today. Food sensitivities, food intolerances versus allergies. Let's get very clear on what they are. We're going to talk about how the gut is impacted, how it correlates. We've all heard this word, leaky gut. Signs. Let's get really mindful of these signs because you are a real cool investigator. You just don't know what to look for yet. So just like any investigator, once trained, they become really good. We can understand the difference between an IgE versus the IgG. So those are the acronyms for the intolerances versus the anaphylaxis. And so, uh, let me let me decode, decode that for all of the non-fluent crisp speakers. Those are two different types of food tests you can get. It's an IgE food test and an IgG food test. So E as in Edward, G as in George. Yes. And IgE also stands for anaphylaxic and IgG starts for intolerance. Oh, Chris. I, 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 I am here to decode <laughs> I know you Chris. Are. That is my sole purpose on this podcast. In actuality, I was looking up, so we're going to digress here for a second. I was looking up birthdays in this birthday book I've had since I was a teen. Oh, I love the birthday book. The the blue, is blue with the sun on yes. the front. Love the birthday book. I my just, mom had it growing up. I just donated it to my girlfriend so because she was going to look at some things up, so I don't have it. But one of your superhuman powers is you know how to go and decipher what everybody's saying. So even on our business meetings, you're like, okay, one moment, what page really means? Oh no, this is what Chris is saying. I do it all the time. You do it all the time. And I and I was like, at first I'm like, well, that's annoying because obviously like I'm speaking English, but I don't, I, I speak Chris. Neither does Paige. And it's funny because when the three of us meet every week, oftentimes Paige and Chris are trying to have a conversation. And I'm sitting there like, Oh my God, make it stop. <laughs> both of them are both of them are agreeing, but they don't realize they're agreeing. Right. So then that's where I'm like, okay, everybody, this is what we're talking about. Everybody so go I'm, to their corners. <laughs> everybody just let me decipher and decode it for the class. Thank you very much. 
Exactly. So So, that's what I'm here for. Long story short is then we're going to talk a little bit about that big D word. And I don't even love that word, but diet, because we need to understand how, how we pull back, how we associate if we do have an intolerance. And definitely, let me tell you, you'll know if you have an allergy, like hands down. Yeah. So let's talk about the difference between... So we'll often use the word food sensitivity or food intolerance Mm -hmm. interchangeably. Yes. Same thing. The difference when it becomes an allergy. So if an allergy is that true, like you're breaking out in immediate... It's like an immediate reaction, right? It's you're breaking out in hives. Maybe your eyes swell. Maybe it's anaphylactic. Your throat starts closing up. You get restricted breathing. It's a very immediate thing that you happen. Like an allergy to peanuts. My son is... both my son and I are very allergic to cats. He's around a cat, breaks out in hives, his eyes swell up. That's an, it's an allergy. Um, some people have it to sell, shellfish. My mom, you guys, allergic to chocolate. Mm-hmm. Chocolate and vanilla. Like how mean is that? I would be devastated. Wow. I know everyone listening is like, <gasps> chocolate and vanilla? <laughs> Pretty much, right? Oh my gosh. That is, a, that sentence So when we're looking at food sensitivity, food sensitivities, they can actually take anywhere from a few hours to a few days to occur. Mm -hmm. So this is why sometimes it can be a little bit trickier to decipher that I'm having a food intolerance because you may not be like, oh, I had, um, you know, cheese on Monday and then on Wednesday, my bowels are all over the place and my skin is flaring. So that's why, you know, it can be a little bit more tricky to decipher. I see this all the time. I had a client and she was trying to do her own, what I call MacGyver, like her own distinguishing between them. And she's like, no, I had cheese today. So I know it's not that. And then raging diarrhea within about 36 hours and boom. But I didn't, I didn't have it on that day. So why? This is exactly. So food intolerances, we want to look at the chemical reaction that occurs in the body, in the gut. And what happens is the immune system is not involved where the anaphylactic or the allergy, the true instant boom, like that mast cell activation, that histamine-like response, which is even more predominant on that, that's where the immune system is going to come in. This is where you're going to see it being life-threatening. This is like the EpiPen. This is the no way Jose. Food intolerances don't tend to be life-threatening but they cause that serious damage to the gut walls. They promote that chronic disease, digestive issues, that leaky gut word that we love, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Because with a food allergy, like it's an IgE, E as an Edward, an IgE mediated er- immune response. It's very quick. Like I said, it can be anywhere from mild to severe to, to life-threatening and it happens within minutes, right? It can also impair your, your, your breathing as we talked about, drop your blood sugar, your heart rate. And you, you, like you said, well, you'll know if you have a food allergy to something. And then when we're looking at the Ig, sorry, the, the food sensitivity, it actually triggers the IgG, G as in George, so the IgG reaction in the immune system. And this is a much more delayed immune response because as we said, it can take several days for this to occur and it, it can be really difficult. So for me, when, when I was younger, I had such severe debilitating migraines that I was since like kindergarten, I remember having migraines in kindergarten. And it wasn't until my 20s where I realized that when I was celiac and also I had a massive intolerance to dairy and not just lactose, the casein, the whey. And when I had dairy, I would get a migraine a few days later, but I wasn't contributing the migraine to what I ate three days ago. Right. When 
The other thing just to quickly look at is when we talk about the difference between them, there are common, like there's signs, but we could talk about that after, but there's common foods that actually can go under these categories, right? So if we're looking at an intolerance, wheat, gluten, dairy, eggs, preservatives, any protein-based food even, because again, remember, it's the gut is involved and we have to be able to break it down because of that chemical reaction. If we're going to the other side with the anaphylaxis, there's a few. So soy, corn, beef is one. Yet beef, I find really tolerant to many people. Shellfish, definitely just fish alone. Wheat, peanuts, trees, cow's milk. So it's very interchangeable. But again, remember, it's that immediate-like reaction. I mean, the signs and symptoms, I mean, Katie, you know it well. I know it well. Like, we could probably list out 100. (laughs) There's a whole slew. So, of course, we already talked about the food allergy symptoms, which Mm -hmm. we're all probably very familiar with. So let's talk about the common signs of a food sensitivity because they they can be pretty surprising. Things like fatigue can be from food sensitivity. Maybe brain fog, maybe having trouble concentrating. Maybe you're dealing with joint pain, like your, your joints are sore headaches and migraines like we talked about, different type of skin issues. So you're getting, well, acne obviously is a skin issue. Acne, eczema, um, irritations, rashes, anything on that, that topical nature. Maybe you're getting really bad stomach aches. You're getting bloat, diarrhea, constipation, acid reflux. In some, uh, for children, maybe you'll see behavioral issues. So, um, you know, my kids when they eat some, whenever they've had something with food dye where they've gone somewhere and bef- like they were out at school and they ate something, you better believe I'm going to be seeing a shift in their mood where they're all very irritable. And it's, be- it's that behavioral shift because of the sensitivity to those food dyes. Right. Now, shift over to the anaphylaxic and we're going to look at common signs and symptoms. We do have some symmetry but here, definitely anaphylaxis, hand down, right? Like this is, get me to the hospital now. We can have severe pain, like abdominal pain. And anybody knows if they've ever had severe PMS or how about this, contractions for children can be as severe. Mm-hmm. Swelling, heat or redness, that's an instant. Like if I have a alcohol beverage or I have too many in a set period, and it could be over a week, but if I have two, first sip, my face will flush and go hot. So, but we wouldn't take that as a sign of, oh my gosh, you better stop. The liver's like enough. Wheezing, breathing can be altered, tingling or itching in the mouth, hives. I'm trying to think itchy rashes because I just have a client right now with one. Diarrhea can go with both, but watch the body tries to purge it. Nauseous, vomiting, oh, for sure vomiting. Because the body, remember, whether it's the bowels or vomiting, the body's trying to rid it immediately. So it's not really a bad thing. Repetitive cough, skin discoloration, or like blue pale. So watch that because that goes back to the oxygen of the body. Now, another thing we have to talk about, and I think because this causes a lot of confusion, is food sensitivities are not causing your acne. They are triggering your acne. Because food sensitivities are a symptom. They're a symptom of poor gut health. And poor gut health is what is causing the acne. Bam. The acne is a symptom of poor gut health. The food sensitivities are a symptom of poor gut health. 
but the food sensi- the food sensitivity is just triggering for your acne to be worse, making you know making it a, a more what's the word I'm predominant. Yeah, more predominant, more inflamed. So when we're looking at, well, what's causing food sensitivities, it really goes back to the gut and specifically leaky gut. So leaky gut is that slang term for intestinal permeability. This happens when we're eating pro-inflammatory foods, toxic foods, you know, we're overdoing it with medications, over-the-counters like NSAIDs, you know, maybe it's um, you know, alcohol, it's going to be the pro-inflammatory, like conventional dairy. It's going to be that heavily, the pesticides and the food that we're eating, the water that we're drinking, the chemicals coming into our body can start to irritate your gut lining. So, you know, if if you're listening to the podcast, you won't see the demonstration. But if you're, you're watching the podcast on, our, on the videos, you can see the demonstration where in your gut, you have all of these tight cell junctions and they're all nice and cozy up beside each other. And when they start to get irritated, they start to pull apart a little bit and they cause microscopic holes. You can kind of think of it as like the um, colander that you would strain your pasta with. And these microscopic holes pop up, which allows for undigested food, undigested food particles, toxins, bacteria, microbes to enter, to escape through those little holes and enter into your bloodstream and start to circulate through your body. And then your body's like, whoa, 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 whoa. Uh, What are you doing here? You're not supposed to be here. I'm going to throw a red flag on the play. And I'm now going to mount and throw up in a little bit of immune response here because you're not supposed to be here. Then this is going to be leading to inflammation in the body. And this is going to be, you know, causing systemic body-wide inflammation, thus leading to things like Mike, or sorry, things like acne and headaches and joint pain and rashes and this and that, all because we're dealing with a leaky gut. Right. Consuming toxins, right? Whether that's through the diet, through the air. What about anything? Skin related. How many people put so many things on their face? It's just right in, right? That, that poor environment is huge on this specific thing. So food intolerances, we can be tolerant, but if we still have a poor environment, if we have toxins all around us, that's going to compromise that gut flora as well. So now we've just got a cauldron and we're throwing everything in to make this big stew. And, you know, not even, like I said, chew your food to a pace like consistency. We are such a rushed society. How many people, I'm guilty of this sometimes, I'm like eating and I'm like, ah, I can just finish this file quickly. Oh, but I only have 20 minutes between clients. All the time. All the time. Totally we are guilty, guilty as you are. Don't worry. We're just as guilty as you are for eating on the go. Mm-hmm. Don't think just because we're nutritionists that we're perfect because we are not. Right. And that's going to, for me, it impacts my sleep. That is a big one for me. If I have that intolerance, so if I have that cooler, which I did over the holidays, I had the like the cleanest one with the least ingredients. I'm telling you, you know, I read labels. I can do this. So I'm like, yeah. Oh, by the second cooler on, on the third day. So number two coolers within three days. Uh-uh. I wasn't sleeping for two days. And I was waking up at about three o'clock in the morning and I felt pretty much like death. Mm-hmm. I'm like, if I, Absolutely. you know, if that's what it was. So my body was like enough. Like, you can't do this. Don't think you're everybody else, right? And then sometimes it just as a sidebar is it can kind of go into deprivation because I do it too. I'm like, mm, man, really? I have three kids and universe, you're trying to make me like not have any alcohol? Like, well, my body doesn't like <laughs> alcohol at all. 
Right. And, and when I was younger, I could, I could deal, I would just power through her because I was 20. And I'm but like, we oh, were I'll dealing be with the intolerance. Now I would say we are, because of our diseases, we're more in that anaphylaxic like behavior. Fair. Yeah. I would say my body, it just doesn't, I don't feel well. Ugh. It's not a fun experience. So for me, I very, very, very rarely drink alcohol at all anymore. So for those that are dealing with food intolerances and you're like, well, how am I supposed to figure it out? How am I supposed to figure out what I'm intolerant to? So there's a couple different ways we can be doing this. Um, of course, you can test for it. You know, there's a difference in different the different types of tests. So there's, an again, an IgE food test and an IgG food test. So if you go to your medical doctor, they will most likely send you for an IgE. That's that like skin prick test where they're going to go and jab you with the things and, and see what flares up. That is not going to identify a food sensitivity. It'll identify an allergy, but it's not going to be identifying a food sensitivity. This is where we need to be looking at that IgG food intolerance testing, which will be, you know, maybe it's a dry blood, it's um, a blood a blood draw, and it's going to be looking at your blood. And this is where it's going to be seeing the different food intolerances. Now, Chris, we will actually have clients coming in and saying, well, shouldn't I just get a food sensitivity test right off the bat? But what do we say to that? Not a fan. And why? Not a fan because we just went and said, we have either exposure to a poor environment or we're consuming toxins. So I'm not saying I don't love a food intolerance test. I love functional tests. I think we all agree. The difference is, is, when you come in and you start working very on a comprehensive level on your gut, because this is what we're talking about is the gut, we are going to start, whether it's eliminating, whether it's altering, whether it's massaging out the different foods that resonate with you in with the right supplements, because we use it all together with the right lifestyle habits, we want to see what your body can do by itself. What happens is we take that food intolerance test and we're like, oh, but I definitely have food intolerance. Yeah, I'm going to agree. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> you but have here's acne. the thing. <laughs> I agree. You go, you go and do a food intolerance test. Your, your test is going to light up like a Christmas tree. It's going to be like, you're in your, in, and I find what happens is it causes a lot of overwhelm because then you're panicking. You're like, oh my God, I can't I'm have. allergic. I, I, have, I have an intolerance to everything. I can't have anything. And it really causes a lot of food fear and food anxiety where I would much rather prefer to do an elimination style diet because like your body does know best. And then after you've done your elimination style diet, after you've done all of your gut work, then we can run a food sensitivity test to see what those lingering things are. And maybe it's just a matter of temporarily removing them for you know a, a couple months to allow that immune response to calm down. But this is why I don't love starting with a food test because it's going to cause a lot of food fear, food anxiety, and we're going to be doing elimination style diet anyways. Also, let's go to the other end of that spectrum. If we're down to like 10, 15, 20 foods, a lot of people with acne tend to have food fear because they've read all the things and they've tried all the things and they don't know. But if they don't have it, like for me, an example, I haven't had gluten in I don't know how, how many, at least like hardcore without any contamination a decade. Mm-hmm. So if I go in and I have Hashimoto's, I cannot do gluten, period, done. Sometimes my food intolerance test can show that I might be able to tolerate some. Yeah, I just did a food intolerance test a couple of months ago. And like, I'm celiac, can't do gluten across the board. And all of my gluten markers were green. Well, it's because I don't eat it. 
Right. So you're not exposed to it. So one, there is a way and we would set you up in order for you to test it. Properly. Properly. So that we're going to get correct information. But until, like Katie said, that elimination diet's key. Elimination doesn't mean you're eating cardboard using, you know, biodegradable cutlery (laughs) with a little bit of Himalayan salt. It means that you're going to be using nourishing foods. And again, we're going to be working with the symmetry of how your body breaks them down. And if your body can't, then we go into the supplements. You know, sleep. You and I love sleep. Love it. Love it. You and I agree that we're both a little cranky if we don't get sleep. Mm-hmm. But that's a trigger for us. So we know. So if we're in that constant insomnia-like state or we get that, you know, when Frankie's going through his, I've decided I'm not going to sleep for you, Kate. Oh my God, the sleep regression has been awful. I was, it's like you forget, you get all the baby sleep regressions, but like you're so tired, you're used to it. And then you get the two-year-old sleep regression who had been sleeping perfectly, angel 12 hours every night, napping, amazing. Well, <laughs> I'm you so felt tired. the bliss, right? There's another thing. Dark circles under the eyes is a food-like, so a detoxification of food, a stomach-like. But are you sleeping? So you see, we have to be able to delineate it all. And that's why running and doing that test isn't the best right at the beginning. I mean, for sure, you can go and you can eliminate them. But sometimes we eliminate foods that aren't quite reactionary. And you go to the doctor and you get that prick test. But what happens when because they'll have a stabilizer, right? So it's saline water. And then they'll use a reactive. What happens if you're me and go and do that and you swell on saline? So I technically, to them, had an IgE response to saline water, salt water. Mm -hmm. No, thank you. I didn't. That's how my gut... That's how inflamed my gut was. That's how that leaky gut, that SIBO, I had GERD and acid reflux and nobody asked me what I was eating. Nobody asked me if I had blood labs or an autoimmune. Nobody asked me. So when we have these clients come in and they're like, my blood labs are normal, it's because it's isolated to the blood work because nobody asked you if you have all of these compounding things. So that's what I love what we do. Mm-hmm. Right? It's kind of fun. Kind of fun. Kind of fun. So outside of the, the food testing, mm-hmm. there, there are some other ways we can be figuring this out. So we are a big fan over in the Clear Skin Solution of food journaling. And I know it doesn't seem like the most fun, most glamorous thing. And they're like, I don't want to track what I'm eating. It can be such a powerful and insightful tool, especially for identifying the big food sensitivities that a client could be suffering with. So we generally will get clients to do this For the first few weeks, we want to get a couple good weeks of data in there so we can start analyzing. So food journaling, you can do at home, super easy. Get a notepad, get your phone, get some type of device that you can, you know, make notes on and write what you're having for breakfast, lunch, and dinner, snacks, like everything you're eating in a day, just jot it. And I want you to also jot down um, any changes in your physical, mental, and emotional symptoms. So before you're eating, how do you feel physically, mentally, and emotionally? After you're eating, how do you feel physically, mentally, and emotionally? Maybe two hours after you ate something, you found you were uh, a little irritable. Write that down. So we want to be looking at trends. We want to be analyzing this data. So once you get like a couple, like a week, two weeks in, you'll be able to start seeing trends. It's like, oh my gosh. Every time I have that cream in my coffee, three days later, I get a migraine. Or every time I have that legume, the next day, I'm really constipated. 
these are the markers that we want to be watching out for because this is going to be helping us to identify those bigger intolerances that we're seeing. And alongside the food journaling, we want to go, be going through an elimination diet where we're removing those very common food sensitivities for a period of time at a bare minimum 30 days, like bare minimum. But I like to see more of like a 90 day because that really gives it time to calm down. So the biggest ones that we're going to be wanting to temp again, remember temporary, don't hate the messenger, please. And specific we wanted- to acne. Right. Yeah, this is this is what we're seeing with our acne clients. Mm-hmm. We want to be removing the gluten. We want to be getting rid of that conventional dairy. And even while we're doing an elimination style diet, we generally will recommend a raw dairy as well because we, we really want to be getting rid of all of those big triggers to get the best read on possible. We're going to be watching out for the corn. I would say those would be the three big ones. We gluten, dairy, corn. Any other ones you want to be adding in there that we do for our acne clients? Often soy because of the quality or the type and the implication to the female hormone system. It can be pro-inflammatory until, Mm -hmm. right? Like we always have that until. (laughs) Until. And depending on the client, you know, like it's elimination style diets uh, are generally will remove things like eggs and nightshades and citrus and yeast and legumes and grains and all the things. But we're talking specific for acne sufferers. Mm -hmm. So generally for acne sufferers, the big ones will be gluten, dairy, corn, and depending on the person's soy. Those will be the big ones that we're we're generally recommending they they watch out for. And then there's also going to be some, you know, more toxic to the system foods that we want to be temporarily avoiding because it's going to, again, give us a better read on what's happening in the body. These will be things like refined sugar, the refined Mm -hmm. white sugar, the alcohol, the artificial sweeteners, the artificial preservatives and food dyes, the high fructose corn syrup, the processed foods, like the junk foods. We really want to be focusing on a really nutrient-dense whole food. So think animal proteins, your lentils, legumes, nuts, seeds, you know, protein and produce are going to be your friends. Where we're looking at the plethora of vegetables, the different types of fruits, the, um, you know, like the quinoas or the the millets, like all of these things that are whole foods. So whenever you're doing an elimination style diet, I don't want you to think about, oh, I can't have, I can't have the gluten, I can't have the dairy, I can't have the corn. I want you to be focusing on what can I have? Oh my gosh, I get to have all of these proteins, the 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 chicken and the fish and the beef and the lentils and, and the legumes and the whatever it may be, whatever floats your boat. I get to be having all of these different vegetables. I get to be having wild blueberries and raspberries and all of these wonderful foods. Mm -hmm. So we start looking at it from that perspective of, oh my gosh, I can't have gluten and dairy. There's nothing to eat. Let me just give you a little bit of tough love. Uh There are thousands. (laughs) I'm going to have to go to the bathroom. (laughs) There are thousands of foods to eat outside of gluten and dairy. It's just in our society, those are like the two main foods we eat. And we're like, oh my gosh, without those, I'm going to starve to death. Nope, you're not going to starve to death. Absolutely, you're not going to. There are tons of foods that you can be focusing on. Absolutely. Like whole foods. Oh, and we'll get the, well, that's kind of boring right? Like just plain chickpeas or just plain Come chicken. Come I dare you. Try me. Right? It's not boring. It is not. That's when we use our herbs and spices. Herbs and spices can have medicinal properties. I mean, last week we talked about blood sugar and cinnamon is one of those beautiful oh, things. 
I, I mean, that help regulate it. Fast forward, right? Uh, we have herbs, rosemary, oh, right? Rosemary. I oregano. think fresh rosemary, oh. fresh basil, parsley, yeah. oregano, thyme. You can be looking at um, your spices like your cumin, your coriander, your cinnamon, your ginger, your turmeric, your... Lots of goodness. Like your sumac, your whatever spices you love and herbs, add more of that because it's the herbs and spices, those flavor enhancers that really help make healthy eating enjoyable. If you love garlic, I'm a big fan of garlic, Mm -hmm. adding garlic or even adding citruses like lemon and lime. Like I actually love uh, to squeeze a little bit of lemon juice on my vegetables at the end of cooking because I think it really brightens up a dish. It gives you that little extra like depth of flavor. Maybe you're doing a little bit of apple cider vinegar. Um, you know, making sure you're doing your Himalayan and your sea salt to add that little extra bit of flavor. That's what's really going to help make it more enjoyable. And if you're struggling on what to eat, head over to my blog. Because guess what? Every single recipe on my blog is gluten-free, dairy-free, and corn-free. Bam, bam, and bam. The majority are also soy-free. Like you will still find things like a tempeh or, or a tamari on there here and there. But all of the recipes on my blog are free from gluten, dairy, and corn. And they're all delish, if I do say so myself. <laughs> and a lot of people will ask us, why the corn? Why the corn? Or, and like I said, the anaphylaxis hmm. can be the corn. The reason is why we look at the corn too is one, super hard to break down, grain. Right? We forget that. It's refined. It's one of the soy and corn. These are the two. They are the number one. Well, soy supersedes corn now because of the genetic modification that's happened over a decade with corn, but they are genetically modified. They are pseudo chemical nanoparticles infused right from the seedling, grown like that, so that bugs can't destroy them. That's how much we're involved in keeping our food sources sacred. So when we look at those and you go into a where it says this is gluten free, what are the two things you find? Soy and corn. So and sugar. And sugar. So you put those together and you just have a breeding ground for all of the bacteria that we don't want to feed. And then that, good luck getting into this skin repair because it has no chance. It's always on high alert by the time we've ingested it and it's hitting the gut. So we don't even have a time to, to go and help the skin barrier. Yeah. And like the, the, the gluten, like, sorry, I should say the wheat, the wheat, the soy, the corn, these are heavily sprayed crops for pesticides as well. Mm-hmm. So we're going to be, you know, taking in these pesticide laden GMO foods that are going to be massively disrupting our leaky gut. Now, something I also want to bring in, Chris, is what about the people that are going to ask, well, what about those, like a, an organic gluten-free ancient, like icorn grain or, or spelt or cam? What do you have to say to those? Yeah, we can look at it later. 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 But remember, when we're, this is a for later, when we're yeah. going through a true elimination style diet to resolve acne, to resolve food sensitivities, this is something we'll be looking at later. So, what, what, what you'll do is, you know, these are the foods we generally will have the clients remove for, you know, anywhere from 30 to 90 days. Maybe some clients will need it for a full six months. Because remember, it's about consistency and time. You need to give your body time to start to calm down to give you the better read. And then should you want to start reintroducing, you would reintroduce these foods one 
at a time space by at least three days, Mm -hmm. because that is going to allow you to say, you're like, hey, I'm going to reintroduce gluten. I'm going to have a big piece of, of bread. Remember to just have that. You're not having gluten and dairy, gluten and butter, like a bread and butter, because we want to be isolating. You're not having that pizza. We want to be making sure that we're getting the read on what's causing it. So like, okay, I'm going to have this pasta and I'm going to watch how my body responds for up to three days after. How do I feel physically, mentally, emotionally? How's my digestion? How's my mood? How's my pain? How's my, my sleep? How's my stress levels? All of those need to be taken into consideration. Note that and then you'll add the next thing back in. And that's, that's what we call like the single source entry, right? That single source entry is absolutely pivotal. What we, what we do is we start getting a taste of it on our tongue and it's really hard to slow down. So when going on an elimination diet or refining the way you're doing things, please, please find somebody because you are not going to know, even though we told you the symptoms, it, it, we call it the food light. Uh, sorry. It's hard. Yeah. What do you call it? The, uh, the flu-like. Oh, yes. Yes. The flu-like. The, the die-off, the rapid dumping, the Herx reaction, all of those will also happen. So remember, like when you're going through an elimination style diet, this is text- kind of technically a detoxification. Mm-hmm. You're getting rid of pro-inflammatory foods. So sometimes it can be really difficult to and navigate because yeah. you're you're getting rid of all these foods, but oh my gosh, my symptoms are getting worse. Like I'm feeling worse. My skin's flaring and my digestion's changing and this is happening. But it's not because you're removing the foods. It's because your body's like, oh my gosh, I can finally get rid of all of these things. Let's clean house. Let's do this. So this is why you really need to work with a practitioner to properly navigate this for you because the average person doesn't have that training and that expertise to be able to distinguish, is this a a die-off? Is this like a Herx reaction? Is this you know, something related to food. So this is why, again, we like to give it several months to get a true read. And when you're reintroducing food, so let's say, you know, you reintroduce that bread, first of all, and then you, what you'll do is then you'll reintroduce the next food. But we want to, we don't want to keep eating the gluten and the bread the whole way through the reintroduction, because again, it can give a skewed result. So say you eat the bread, wait for three days, try it, wait for another three days, reintroduce dairy and so on. That way you're only ever having one of those foods at a time. So even if you don't think you have a reaction to that food, keep that food out until we finish this entire reintroduction phase. Exactly. And when we look at things as reintroduced, uh, you know, products off the shelf, be very careful because they have other ingredients. So if, you know, you say bread right off, I'm a little more hardcore as some people may know. I'm like, okay, you want to come back to bread? We're going to try fermented sourdough. Mm-hmm. That's where we're going to go first. And then we're going to go here. And then we're going to... So there are stages, but it also depends on the person and how they've been doing, how their skin... We've had people, their skin clears up nicely, but they still have histamine-like elimination markers that need to come out, overall mass cell. And people are like, what is she saying? Don't worry about it. Oh, I yeah. got it. But the, we have a podcast coming out on histamine and mast cell because right? it is it's it is huge. prevalent for acne sufferers. So here's an example. I'm going to use the word Skittles. Skittles. Why are we talking because Skittles? Because I'm going to show you something. I first of all, even saying it, I actually want to gag. I've never liked Skittles in my entire life. Oh, I liked them when I was when I was a kid. I love Skittles. Oh yeah. Reason why kids like Skittles because remember, even like go back to when you were a kid. What what types of foods I would get sick on Skittles? 
Mm. Mm. Well, makes sense. Not only do you have, because when we think candy, we think sugar, right, Katie? And we isolate it to, oh, I can't do the sugar or it's going to spike up my blood sugar. Not necessarily. It's also those toxins like we're talking about, all those colorants, those preservatives, because I'll tell you, that was made in a factory, in a chemical lab. There was no natural ingredient probably in any of it. And if it does say wheat, it's comprised. So it's no longer natural. But one of the big things that I want you to go and look at labels is the red dye 40. Super interconnected to brain fog and a lot of these intolerance like those behavioral issues, the mood swings. Uh, Recently, because of New Year's, there was, and I'm going to leave the brand out, but there was a bottle of, it was just like a shot, like liqueur. And people are like, oh my gosh, yeah, let's, here, Chris, you want this? And I flipped over the side. And of course, what Steve's saying, don't read it. Don't read it, Chris. Don't read it. That's my husband. Don't read it. Don't read it. And Allure Red was at the bottom. And right off the bat, he like goes to pour me and I said, are you trying to kill me? <laughs> He's like, what? He goes, what? I'm like, that's Red 40. That is one of those preservatives that if you have any autoimmune, you're going to have now, you're going to have an intolerant like symptom no matter what. Because And in fact, it's going to go more to that allergy-like base because it's going to cause the reaction in the body through the mast cell that's going to exasperate the immune system. So the immune system doesn't know if it's under attack. So food dyes are hard no for me, like hard no, will not consume. And I use Skittles because in most people I talk to, even adults, Skittles seems to be an approved, like, not like approved as in like good for you, but improved like, oh, I like it. Like yeah. a, a yummy. Who doesn't like Skittles? I love Skittles. Oh, disgusting. I just, like I actually have to stop talking them because I'm getting nauseous. <laughs> I just, stop it. It is. I have some some foods in my life that I think about them and I start to get nauseous. Do you know what mine is? Oh, Do you want to know what mine yes. is? Watermelon. It like the smell of watermelon makes me so nauseous. I ha- I've only eaten watermelon once in my life when I was playing T-ball when I was four or five. I have a vivid, vivid memory. I had one bite, threw it up immediately. And to this day, I cannot stand the smell of watermelon or any melons. Cantaloupe, green melon, none of them. I can't eat any of them. Fun fact about Katie. That's, if you notice, there's no melon recipes on the blog because I can't stand the smell. I worked at a, a um, I was a barista a, working at a, um, a brunch place, a cafe when, when I was a, a teenager in my early 20s. And my, you know what my job was every morning was to cut the watermelon and the honeydew. And I would be like- You would gag. Gagging on the side, trying to cut this watermelon. You know, it's kind of cool. This is a spoiler alert, but watermelon tends to hold high molds. And what have you been really working on in your body? Oh, yeah. Um, oh, yeah, I was going hard with my IV ozone 10 pass and crushing and killing out all that mold and virus and fungus. Ooh, I'm still like... Katie, you just now, you just gave me more stuff to go look up. This is so cool. <laughs> uh, but I'm I'm still not eating the watermelon because I still can't stand the smell of it. Yeah, and we can do that, right? Like there's foods that make me nauseous. There's food you think of. There's people that are listening going, oh my God, that's me with such and such. 
mm-hmm. that your body is saying hardcore no, but you don't know the underlying re- like reason. That watermelon could have had high amounts of mold for Katie when she was younger. And boom, the body is... Remember, just like going to the gym, your body has memory. For me, it was this sucker that looked like a thumb and it used to have like a silicone coating. I'm sure it's plastic. Oh my gosh. And now, a sucker that looks like a thumb? It was a sucker that looks like a thumb. Okay, we're going back to like when there was horse you're and carriage, but it, it was, I don't know what it was, but I would eat that. And I got to the point as a kid, I couldn't eat it. What color was it? Red. Red? Do you know, I, yeah. can't, I can't even do red freezies. They make me cough. Yes, watch we'll die in the general. ingredients and really watch the reds. So that's what, just that next level stuff for people when you're going, and again, go type in red, uh, Allure Red or Red Dye 40, and they change the name. Just like we talked about with blood sugar, how you can go and research all these other sugars and they look great, but they're not. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. So the final thing I want to talk on with food sensitivities, and we talked about, you know, going through that elimination diet alongside, you know, getting rid of the food sensitivities and working on that gut health. Food is going to be one of them. And we also want to be working on digestion. We want to be making sure that we're breaking our food down. Um, In the show notes, there is our gut loving cheat sheet that even has recommendations for different digestive supports that we love, whether it's a probiotic, it's a digestive enzyme, it's a digestive bitter. And we also really want to be working to heal and seal that gut lining, right? So having those really nourishing foods and supplements dependent on the person. So depending on the person, maybe it's aloe vera, maybe it's L-glutamine, maybe it's collagen, like maybe it's, it's going to be, there's so many wonderful gut repairing supplements out there. It's just going to be dependent on what's happening in your gut because we also need to be looking at your microbiome because our microbiome is going to be having an impact on our gut lining. So are we dealing with a candida overgrowth? Because you better believe we got to be getting that under control in order to clear up leaky gut. Because we always see a combination, Chris, with our clients in the Clear Skin Solution of leaky gut and a candida overgrowth. Oh, and perfect time. Let's just drop in heavy metals. Here she goes. She always needs to add in the, he- the heavy metals and minerals wherever she can. I have to because I'm going to share it. I'm going to use the case study. <laughs> use the case study client, amazing, follows her her stuff, comes back in. We have that nutrition clinic so people can come back and do. She keeps elevating. And finally, we're at the stage because you know I'm really big on how we do our functional tests and I want to make sure that we've done. So when I say amazing, I say like to the T, amazing, follows it, understands it, the concepts, is identifying her own food intolerances, like next level kind of stuff. No kidding. No kidding. Get the Dutch and it's like gut. And I'm like, oh my gosh. How how often oh. is our does Dutch tests just show more gut work? So often. So often. However, the difference with her is I was going through it and I was like, oh, la 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 la. Yeah. And I'm like, I'm just kind of following the cookie crumb trail, which I say don't do, right? So I kind of got up with that. I got on the call with the ND. And I'm giving the quick little case history because, I mean, we don't spend a lot of time, 10, 15 minutes tops, right? So you better come prepared. So I'm like this and I go, wait a minute, wait a minute. I go, stop. (laughs) She's like, okay. And she's like, oh, I'm sorry. Did I say something? I'm like, no. I'm like, she's had high lead and she's always had high lead and da, da, da. And and I just went and I just like verbal diarrhea all over her. And she was just like, okay, you just nailed this. Because 
Do you see how easy it is to overlook something? Why would she still have gut issues when almost two years in to, and very, very amazing at everything she it does? Was the, the heavy metals. It's the heavy metals. So at this point, we have to go after the heavy metals. So why didn't we go after it? Because she's 63 times the normal rate. And if you push that lead out, it is going to displace not only minerals, but it is going to make her ill and essentially without doing it right. Feel awful. I mean, not just awful, like there's really bad, bad situations with stuff like that. So we're at the point now where the heavy metal is so catastrophic that it's going to displace things like zinc. Now think about that even from a hormone perspective, key player. Mm -hmm. So absolutely, that's what I just wanted to say. So even though she still has these responses, she's having food intolerance-like responses. Why? Because that heavy metal won't allow the absorption or it's displacing the absorption of the minerals that helps balance the body essentially. That was my hold to that. That was her whole. That was my whole to that. So, That's what so I was box. trying to get there. TED Talk. She's finished now. <laughs> oh, I'm available. <laughs> She's a, Chris is available for a TED Talk. Sign me up. I'll, again, I will be there on the side as the interpreter. Yeah, we're a package. We're a package. We come together. We're a package mm-hmm. deal. We travel together. Yes, we do. All right. So let's do a quick roundup of food sensitivities because I want to, again, make sure that they get some really summarized info that they can kind of put into place. So remember, the difference between a food sensitivity and an allergy. A food sensitivity will have a delayed reaction, can be, is it going to be more mild, headaches, migraines, skin flares, digestive changes, insomnia, mood changes, things like that. An allergy is going to be that immediate response where it can be anywhere from, you know, in like itchy skin all the way up to an anaphylactic shock. We're very familiar with allergy. We're going to be looking at getting to the root of a food sensitivity because a food sensitivity is not causing acne, it's triggering acne. That bigger root cause for them both is going to be poor gut health. So that's where we need to be looking at the leaky gut, repairing the gut, going through an elimination style diet where we're able to identify the different food sensitivities that we're having, give that gut time to heal, give that body uh, time to bring that immune response down to really flush things out of the body and see where those triggers are going to be. And we can be also food journaling alongside to see what is causing those changes. And remember, if you need help with this, we're always here in the Clear Skin Solution. This is what we do a day in and day out. So next week, we got another gut-focused podcast lined up for you. And that is Understanding SIBO, Small Intestinal Bacterial Overgrowth. We'll see you then. Thanks for hanging out with us this week on the Clear Skin Chronicles. We'll see you next Wednesday with a brand new episode. Remember to subscribe to the show and drop us a review. Sending glowing vibes your way, Katie and Chris.